cosmetic surgery. It's one of the fastest growing and most innovative fields in medicine today. Doctors are constantly improving techniques and procedures to ensure the best possible results for their patients. On Cosmetic Surgery Today with Dr. Barry Allen Leica, you don't have to navigate this on your own. He'll guide you through what's new and what to look for, help set your expectations, and deliver everything you need to know in an easy-to-understand format, including how to market your business. Here's Dr. Leica. Hi, this is Dr. Barry Leica. Today we're going to talk about some of the cosmetic products that are out there, and we're going to talk about a new product that some of you might not have heard about. It's Z-O, or in Canada, Z-O, and it's those two letters put together. And I'm talking to a world's authority on this, Dr. Francis Jang from Vancouver, my old friend, who you might have heard about before on this show. Hi, Francis. How are you today? Hey, Barry. I'm great. I'm so excited about the topic of this show today. Excellent. I'm excited, too, because I, I've been following these products forever, just like you have, and these products have evolved. They've changed completely. They've really, really done different things, and, and they're, they're totally different than they used to be. So let's talk about the originator of this project, project for Francis. What is this, and who invented the, the, these products? Well, we're talking about Zio, and it actually is, is the initials of the founder of this uh, product line, who is a practicing dermatologist in Beverly Hills by the name of Zine Obaji. And um, some people may know of Zine Obaji from his first creation many years ago by the name of New Derm. And uh, it is no longer owned by him, as you know, but it is widely distributed worldwide. And it was a very impressive set of corrective skincare products, uh, mainly to address hyperpigmentation or melasma on the facial skin. And it yeah, was that set of products, I believe, was started mainly for that, and it was the large reason Zane had started it, I believe, was for people of color because right. hyperpigmentation is such a devastating problem in them, and the problem there was there were no good product, products available, not one, and, and many people would would get into severe difficulties when they use different products and actually make their problem worse. Right. And it was the first, I think, uh, uh, product line that embraced uh, a number of different skincare molecules to actually be successful in combating this very troublesome condition called melasma, the so-called mask of pregnancy, which, as you said, uh, is much more prominent in darker-skinned individuals, but not only that set. We see it in, in what we call Fitzpatrick type 1 skin types as well, the fair-skinned folks, um, and certainly not just during pregnancy. It's something that uh, commonly plagues young women of childbearing age, however. And so it combined hydroquinone, uh, which is the gold standard bleaching agent, some exfoliation, and retinol, and a secret surfactant, which he never told anybody about. But it was highly, highly successful where other things had failed um, as a single modality cream. Yes, exactly. I think that's that's the whole thing about it. And he also then brought in some chemical peels as well yes. that were to augment the whole system. Yeah, and, and it was the famous blue peel, 
which was fundamentally a, a TCA or trichloroacetic acid um, medium depth chemical peel. But he was really smart in that he added in a blue dye indicator. So people would actually get this peel, and the operator could tell the depth of the peel by the color on the skin. So it was a, a, a very visual guide for the operator to know how deep to take the peel in order to minimize complications but to affect change. But I would used to laugh because patients would leave looking like Smurfs, you know, those cartoon dolls. That was kind of the, the color of their skin. But it was a very effective um, and easy peel for patients to have done in the sense that the recovery time was very predictable. Yeah, exactly. And it was an improvement over previous peels because it was a little bit more predictable as to how they they responded. Yes, uh, previous peels were really hit and miss, and some well, of the peels I that were done before, such as the phenol peel, was awful. Yeah, and I think largely because he insisted on prepping the skin properly with Retin-A and Hydroquinone products, the new derm line, and also the fact that there was an indicator in the TCA peel that allowed even a more inexperienced operator to know where he was going. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that's that's that was a big part of it. But I, to command Zane, when he put out the products, that he was really uh, turned upon by the other parts of the community, and many people were calling him a charlatan at that time. Well, I think it's he. Zane has a very interesting way of looking at things, and he thinks always outside the box, as all, many visionaries do. And um, interestingly enough, I was one of the first in my community to start using uh, the new derm products, and I was very happy with the outcome, patient outcomes. And I remember that my own colleagues looked at me and thought I was using a product that, you know, was was not. They they, they didn't. They they looked at me sort of sideways. Let's put it that way. But you know, the patient, I know when I started using it mm -hmm. way back, oh, 15 years ago yeah. or so, mm -hmm. many people looked at me weird as well. Yeah. Saying, this so, is really a bad product. What are you doing? You know, yeah. You've really stepped outside of your boundaries as a yeah. doctor. But I think the fact that it's been embraced by so many patients is testimony to how successful it is. Um, but I, I think the important thing, too, however, is that Zane has moved forward now with Zio, and I, I think it's really a skincare revolution if used. Yeah. Um, so, what eligibly. happened with the previous product? It was sold to other people, and it's now being sold by Valiant, uh, far, uh, Valiant one of the big pharmaceutical companies. Yes, that's right. So, so it is a totally by, by different Pharma. set of products now from what is being used here in the new set of products. Well, I think the issue is that um, Zane is a very much a um, a creator and inventor, he's always thinking. And so he saw limitations with uh, New Derm because it really only impacted one group or one set of issues. So now with this new uh, Zeo line, we can address sun damage, aging, um, acne, texture, oil, rosacea, not just pigmentation. So, um, and so we can use it on even an, an, a regular skin that needs um, some protection, but we can see a change in the skin that, that is uh, photographable and noticed by the patient. It's not just a preventative treatment. So within four to six months, we can achieve what I call optimum skin health for everybody.
Absolutely. Now, this is the concept that I'd like to bring out again, uh, Francis. Optimum skin health. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? So no matter who you are, your skin is going to be changing as you age. And we know that fibroblasts are the cells in the middle of the layer, uh, layer of the skin that are responsible for pumping out collagen. They just get very, very sleepy. And as you, we age, they get even less active. And then superimpose that on with ultraviolet radiation and, and damage. Um, and we just get a skin that is, is not very healthful. So he has now produced uh, a line of product, even for somebody who doesn't perceive themselves as having an issue, let's say at age 35, 40, um, that includes um, exfoliation, it includes using retinol, which is a scientific molecule originally, of course, formulated for acne, which we accidentally discovered also increases collagen formation. So it includes retinol. And um, we use, uh, as I said, exfoliation, plus things that protect the skin from the sun, of course, the sunscreens. And he's got things that help to repair DNA and antioxidants, of course, which help to um, reverse sun damage and protect the skin and blood vessels. Absolutely. And, you know, as the skin gets older, as we start seeing changes in it, a lot of this is because of things happening at a biochemical level. Mm -hmm. A lot of it is happening at a level that's below the skin, and it doesn't really meet the eye what's going on. So those are the changes we have to reverse. Yes, but I would argue, too, that most people actually see the changes, and that's why they start, women anyway, start wearing foundation to get a more uh, uniform-looking skin. So we can see that the skin gets duller. It gets mild forms of pigment problems, both red and brown. The pores get a bit larger. The skin looks dull. It doesn't look uh, or feel soft and radiant, and um, we can do that now with skincare. So I think there is a scientific skincare for every skin out there now. And that's what I would love for patients to be educated about and to start using. Um, because I think we can affect change and improvement in even what we might perceive or consider normal skin, not just the sick skins, which as dermatologists we've been used to treating sick skin rosacea, acne, acne scarring, um, sun damage. But I'm talking about everybody, everybody over the age of 25, 30, and I think it's gone beyond just the use of sunscreen, um, which if you read a recent survey, most people don't use properly anyway. But anyway, that's another side note we can maybe talk about. Um, But uh, that, um, you know, there are other molecules to optimize um, skin health, just like we go to the gym, right? Just we know that our muscles, we we have to work them as we get older. Otherwise, they're just going to become completely atrophic as we get old. Similar with the skin, we've got to stimulate it. Absolutely. You know, our skin is an amazing uh, set of, of cells held together by a lot of different variables. And it is subject to all these forces. And many of these things can be reversed. And the thing that's different about these products now is we're starting to understand the ways to reverse them. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and one of the things that I found really interesting is that um, I used to be very frustrated, and I'm sure you get it many times a day, how can I decrease my pore size? And other than 
some lasers that have been shown to help with pore size, there was never really a topical product that I could go to, no matter how much I exfoliated them. But I can tell you with the Zeo line, he's got something called Clean Start, and it's a, a cleanser, uh, a scrub, and a, uh, uh, a polisher. And I, I've got to say that um, and one of these elements is something called tea pads, in which there's some salicylic acid and some other elements. If you use that regularly, I have seen pore size significantly reduce over four to six months and the skin becoming more refined. And it's very exciting to me as a dermatologist to finally find something that is as simple and non-invasive as, as that that will actually change. Well, this change is the problem. I mean, pores. this is a question you and I get every day. How mm -hmm. can I make my pores Pore smaller? And until recently, there really hasn't been a good way to do it. I mean, no. we've done some light chemical peels, and that shrinks yeah. them down for a while. Yeah. We do some things on them, that, such as exfoliate, and that might shrink them down because it irritates them enough. Our person mm -hmm. gets puffy, mm -hmm. but it really wasn't doing anything to do anything to change those pores. Mm -hmm. The other concept that he, uh, Zine, thinks about a lot is, you know, red faces, and um, he's quite convinced that a lot of people with rosacea or red faces also have um, an oily skin, and I, at first when I heard about that, I sort of thought, oh, no, I always think of rosacea patients as being... Um, very sensitive to product and product intolerant. And then I started looking at my rosacea patients more closely. And indeed, there was a very distinctive and significant subset of that patient population that had large pores, oily skin, albeit sensitive, um, and, and very red. And by using the Clean Start and, and gingerly acclimating their skin to the somewhat drying effects of the program, we were able to significantly decrease the oil and interestingly enough, decrease the red, which is what he's talking about. He thinks that the sebum on the skin is responsible for some of the red and inflammation. So um, it's been a real eye-opener for me. I, I can understand that, Francis, and I, I think, uh, you know, you, you approached me and told me how much you love these products, and I can, I'm starting to see why you love them, because I think these products are certainly a change from a regular way of thinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, for most of us, rosacea is a disease where there's too much redness, so we mm -hmm. have to stick them on antibiotics, we have to stick them on other things to decrease yeah. that, and in many people they respond, but I must admit, not everybody does. Yeah. No, it's certainly true. And then with the acne patients, of course, um, he is a big advocate of controlling the oil as well as correcting the pigmentary problems, which the patients often perceive as scars. They're not really scars in the, sense, in the way you and I see them. Um, they're the dark marks or the red marks that are left after the uh, acne pimple or cyst has subsided on the skin. But for many people, particularly darker skin types, Mediterranean, olive skin types, um, it can be quite disfiguring if the um, inflammatory acne has been active. So that is sometimes something that um, compels people to do something like the Zeo program, which controls the oil and helps to exfoliate and bleach the pigment problems. So it's sort of a, 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 a one thing does a bunch of stuff, and then the, the people at the end of six months look clear and uh, without, without any marks on their skin, which is unlike more conventional uh, anti-acne therapy given by traditional dermatology where we're just trying to settle the active pimples, um, which is 
important, but important to the client or the patient, too, are the marks that are left behind, which well, CEO addresses That's a well. large part of it because, you know, people of color like to produce brown spots on their skin a lot. Yeah. And the thing that bothers people of color more than anything else is the irregularity of their pigment. Mm-hmm. They don't like light and dark. They don't right. like the problem that the, that's going on there. And they really feel bad about the way their skin is. Yeah. And interestingly enough, you know, people are always worried, will it bleach out the normal color um, and then my face and my neck don't match? And I don't find that the case. The other thing that um, he is now a firm believer in and I have been doing for quite some time is cycling people on and off hydroquinone for some conditions that we know are going to recur in terms of uh, pigment problems. So. Um, you and I are familiar with the term melasma or the hyperpigmentation of pregnancy when the uh, skin cells become abnormally sensitive to sunlight. We know this is a condition that's going to be with young women for a number of years, and it's a matter of control, controlling it, not curing it. And number one is preventing it, but number two is bleaching it. And we use this product called, or this chemical called hydroquinone, which has largely been banned in Europe. Luckily, we have this product in North America because we as scientists here um, and dermatologists don't feel that the um, judicious use of hydroquinone is harmful if we use it in a, an appropriate concentration and for uh, intervals. So myself, I cycle hydroquinone. I use it for periods of four to six months and then four to six months off and then four to six months on as necessary. And now we're seeing also the uh, introduction into our world of non-hydroquinone bleaching agents, albeit less powerful than hydroquinone in their ability to um, achieve lightening. But we are seeing some success, at least in suppressing when we're uh, on the months not using actual hydroquinone. I think I don't know if you have any also with hydroquinone, when you use it for long periods of time, is people start to get a little resistant to it, that it's not having the same effect that was there before? Yes, that could certainly be the case, and that's true too. So I've for a long time been an advocate of cycling on and off hydroquinone and not feeling, uh, however, nervous about using the product um, in percentages of about 4%. Usually, however, in combination with um, topical retinol and exfoliation. I don't know what your experience has been or what you've been doing with that, Barry. You know, I, I've been a big fan of hydroquinones forever, uh, but again, I find it's necessary to stop them for periods of time to keep their effectiveness going. Mm-hmm. I, I just find that it's a great product, but something happens with that mechanism, and it just isn't that that great. And, mm-hmm. and so. You can't constantly plow something with one chemical and Mm -hmm. hope for it to get the job. Well, I always tell women it's a little bit like hair products because we're all familiar with that scenario where we're really happy with something when we find it. And then after about four to six months, it doesn't work the same anymore. And I just think it's just a matter of changing over something else. And I think think you're saying the same thing with skincare, and I notice that as well. So that's why, again, I think it's important to get recommendations from your skincare provider, like your dermatologist, who's sort of up-to-date on the latest uh, molecules. It is changing so fast. You know, and it also worries me that this ban on hydroquinone has occurred in a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been a phenomenal uh, process, and it has helped us a lot. But this mm-hmm. banned problem that's come out has, has got me worried because this chemical might be a lot harder to get for people. 
Well, this, it's really unfortunate because I have a niece who lives in the UK and she has a terrible case of melasma on her upper lip. She looks like she has a mustache and she's 20-something, so very uh, embarrassed by it and she doesn't like to wear a lot of cover-up. And so I, I, I wrote her out the script and said, you know, get this, your health care provider to, um, to write this for you, out for you. It, it works like a whiz-bang. And it contained hydroquinone, and she went to six different doctors and unfortunately could not get it um, mixed for her, you know, which is really a shame. So that she's is still walking around with her I mustache. think it's a travesty because mm-hmm. hydroquinone overall has been very, very safe for patients. Yes. I've never had a problem with it. You know, there's a condition called onchronosis, of course, which you're familiar with, um, which is more often seen when you use very high percentages of hydroquinone. And this doesn't normally happen in North America, but more in um, in other countries. And uh, it was interesting because I spent last year on a medical mission in Uganda. And, of course, they can get whatever percentage of hydroquinone they want. And so I saw my first real-life case of onchronosis in my second day there at the derm clinic. It was rather exciting for me, but unfortunate for the young lady because once you get this, nothing works, not laser, not anything. Yeah, now that's pretty rare, and from what I understand about it, it usually occurs in uh, dark-skinned people of African descent rather than North American descent. That's that's true. Yeah, and she was using hydroquinone 20%, if you can believe it. Wow. Yeah, she was desperate, but she only made her situation worse. But, Barry, you know, one thing that's really interesting with the Zeo line, I've got to say, um, they've got a, a very interesting sunscreen out now, and they call it uh, Eclipse C, and it's rated as an SPF 50. They did some nice studies to get that rating, um, and it's uh, simply a physical sunscreen, um, titanium 8% and zinc, but it's got fractionated melanin in it, too, which they... Um, show in a study which shields the skin from harmful HEV light. Can you, uh, and I saw another article recently that says even us dermatologists don't recommend how to use sunscreen properly, so maybe we can talk a little bit about that because... You know, I think that's very important, especially in these sunny days, uh, Francis. You know, one thing we've started to do is every patient that leaves our office gets counseled on that now, but it's something we've just started doing. I must Mm -hmm. admit, I was pretty sloppy with that. Yeah, and it showed that dermatologists don't even uh, speak to that. So for our listeners, I just want to clarify. So as dermatologists, we recommend a broad-spectrum sunscreen, which means that it should cover off UVA and UVB rays. And the number on it, the SPF, only refers to its uh, UVB um, screening abilities uh, or the harmful burning rays. But UVA, we know now, is just as harmful. So you want broad-spectrum, and you want a number over 30. So we used to say 15, but we now say 30 because, as it turns out, most of us don't use enough sunscreen, so it doesn't get that rating on our skin. Um, And what we mean by that is one ounce for one body, so a shot glass full for the whole body. So that bottle of uh, four-ounce sunscreen shouldn't last you your whole one-week trip to Hawaii for the whole family. (laughs) You're not using it properly. Um, uh, you know, I, every day I get a patient and I ask them about the sunscreen that they purchased a year ago. Yeah. They tell me they still have it. No, yeah. It, that it's bothers not that it, me to no end. Yeah, it's not necessarily that it's uh, as stale dated, which they do do. It's just that we don't use enough. So we're not getting the actual rating that it says on the sunscreen. So, And for a face, it's half a teaspoon, if you can imagine. Now, that's a, a pretty thick layer. 
So for my patients that have some issues, and mo many of them do because they have some kind of a pathology, so melasma or they've had skin cancer or precancers, I tell them in order to get that rating, they might want to apply two layers, um, put a dollop sized on, rub it in, and then try and put another layer on first thing in the morning. And to put it on regardless of where they live and whatever their activity, because we know that even on a cloudy day, there's significant UVA that comes through. So, um, it, and it's that accumulated sun exposure. It's not the sunburn, although that's not good either, but it's the accumulated sun exposure that's actually going to make you more at risk for skin cancer. And we now know that sunscreens prevent wrinkles. Okay, because there was that very nice Australian uh, study that came out, I think, in 2012, 2013, that showed um, that proper application of SPF 30 used every day for over a period of five years prevents wrinkles. And it was a very nice yeah, study. And, you know, another thing I think we do very poorly in, mm -hmm. in this regard is we don't counsel patients very well on the use of retinols properly. Because no. retinols are one of the first defense against sun, uh, sun damage as well. And I think we should be using a lot more of those from papers I've been reading recently. Mm -hmm. And they also are sunscreens to a certain extent. Yeah, and I think a lot of people still have that uh, idea in their mind that they shouldn't use retinols if they're going to be sun exposed. But that's quite, that's quite the opposite, really. So, you, you know, yes, you should be using sunscreen, but retinols have a large part to play in um, counteracting the effects of the sun. So I, I don't know how to get that message out better. I guess we just have to go on preaching one by one by one or maybe more radio talk shows like this. You know, I think it, it's got to be done. I hope that people are listening out there that sunscreens are important, retinols are important, you know, that the essentials for the skin are important. The more you take care of them, the better it will be. Now, Francis, one question. Men are terrible at using sunscreens in general. What do you tell them? Well, I think with men, it's important to find something that doesn't feel heavy and thick and greasy. And that's where our role is to find sunscreens for them that have the proper protection but are cosmetically elegant for them to use. Um, you know, other than, it's difficult, but I, I, you know, many of them that come to me are getting precancers. And um, so I, I tell them, you know, the only way you're going to combat this and a lot of knife cuts and everything else 10 years down the road is to start being good about this and and to use it like you 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 take your your fish oil it, it's it's all been shown to be a good thing for you and it's just a matter of getting that routine in, into your into your life uh, brushing your teeth you know, and, going and to the gym that's thing I, I find with all routines Francis it mm -hmm. takes about 6 weeks Mm -hmm. of regular use of anything to mm -hmm. integrate it into your routine. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you don't get good at it. Mm -hmm. One thing I want to say about the Zeo program is, um, and Zine is probably uh, the, the, the hardest nose about this, is that when we use it for to correct skin sickness, so whether that be rosacea, acne, uh, pigmentation, there will always be an initial period during the first four to six weeks where there is some reaction in the skin, which the patient will perceive as an adverse reaction because it is all about dryness, peeling, slight discomfort in the skin. And he always says, Zenobaji, 
no reaction, no results. So during the first four to six weeks, we always counsel our patients. There is going to be some reaction in the skin. It's not going to be pretty. It's your skin acclimating to it. You're not really going to like it. You're going to wonder whether we told you the wrong thing or whether you're allergic. And so we do see those patients frequently during that period of time to get them through that. At around the four to six week mark, their skin will start to acclimate so it gets used to it. They'll start to see the improvement at that point. So that's the middle period of time, the middle four to six weeks. They're starting to see all those side effects simmer down. They're starting to like it because they start to see the improvement. And then by the end of the four to six weeks, the, the last sort of third of the treatment program plan, they're loving it. And then the beauty of Zine, Obagi or Zio, is that you can get them on an edited program that maintains what they've achieved um, in an edited form. They don't have to go at it quite as um, as many steps so during the corrective, as during the corrective phase. So in that sense, there's not just a short-term plan for patients, there's a long-term plan for patients on this skincare program. Absolutely, and I think yeah. that's what the importance is. I think all the stuff is the very important part is communication. I, I think the huge part in any product is the doctor that's prescribing it and, and the doctor that's overseeing it. Mm -hmm. This is where you have to see a skincare professional for your skin rather than just thinking you're going to do one thing and, and go to a cosmetic counter at the, at the supermarket and mm -hmm. get an answer that, you know, well, you well, don't get it that way. These people are not trained like dermatologists. Well, I think there's a couple of issues there, it, as you alluded to. Number one, we understand the skin. We've been trained to understand both pathology and unique individual things about the skin, as well as normal skin and what's happening to it as we age. And it's not just a half-hour um, talk presented by somebody who's who's trying to sell them a particular line of products. The second thing is that um, we understand the molecules and how they're evolving. And then the third thing is, um, it, in my practice, as I'm sure in yours, there's a longitudinal viewpoint of the client slash patient. So we prescribe something, we see them again. There's documentation, even if it's not the same person in the office that sees them, there's documentation about what we're trying to achieve, what we've prescribed, how it's supposed to be used, and what we expect. Yeah, so skincare is often all... like a marathon rather than a foot race. It, it's yeah, and, you know, and, so, and we're accountable. So if it's not working, if something needs to be tweaked, then we understand how to tweak it to produce the end effect we want. So, and there's an accountability there as well. So unfortunately, that does not happen at the cosmetic counter. Absolutely, and yeah. I find that over and over and over again, that yeah. these things are, are something that, that people don't understand, and, and they don't understand their skin very well, and, and quite often they're afraid to ask questions because people have given them lines before and they really don't understand what, what's supposed Barry, to happen. Barry, don't you think it's partly because of our own... Um, our own specialists sort of, because when I finished dermatology many, many years ago, I hate to say how many, but, you know, more than a few decades ago. Well, that was only two years ago, yeah. Francis. Time but just don't flies you remember, by. acne patients would come and they'd say, what do I use to clean my skin? We'd just say soap and water. 
is all yeah. you need. And then they and then we write them a prescription, and then and then we just say sunscreen and just just use a sunscreen, right? And and we wouldn't give them any specific advice. Well, it's gone way beyond that. But there was a, for a long time there was that resistance. It just keep it simple and don't show any favoritism. But, you know, clearly products deliver different things. They feel different on different skins. Don't we have some opinion on that? Absolutely. And I think this is the thing that we have to realize over and over again, that there are different products now. There's mm -hmm. a lot more understanding now. Right. And I think... Uh, the one thing that when I started in dermatology, and it probably happened for you many years ago, it was a very male-dominated field. Mm -hmm. You know, there many of our teachers were males. Many mm -hmm. of our teachers didn't care about skincare products, and really, they didn't want to learn about them either. Well, I think the other thing is is that perhaps we were all so busy with really, really sick skin. So when we saw somebody with not really horrible skin disease, we'd sort of dismiss it. Or I found, I, I found the attitude a little bit dismissive among some of my peers, and I don't even know if it was a gender-based one. But maybe the excuse is that we were all so uh, busy with people who really had scarring, cystic, horrible acne, but, you know, that we should have been more considerate of the patient who took the time, who was who was concerned about their more mild to moderate acne because they were, you know, was going on and on and on or it was, you know, whatever. It was, it was bothersome to the patient. So, you know, and I heard many times people, my professors, would just dismiss it as being a mild case and she's, she's fine, you know, and just give her this. And, but people, you know, people are, have different personalities. Some people are looking for absolute perfection, and I completely respect that and will try and deliver that for them in the way I know best. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, I think medicine now has changed. I think dermatologists, at least a lot of them have changed. I won't say that's true for everyone because, you know, many dermatologists before just wanted to handle the serious disease. They mm -hmm. didn't want to see anything else mm -hmm. either. Mm -hmm. And so they were very dismissive of it. Mm -hmm. Well, it is exciting to see very advanced pathology. When I was in Uganda seeing all these diseases, it was so exciting for me. Can I talk to you about one condition that... Um, uh, is very unusual that Zio has been really, uh, well, a, a, a common one and an unusual one. So you and I know a condition called keratosis pilaris, which is a condition that uh, can affect the face, but more commonly in mature young people. Yeah, I'm just going to interject for a minute there, Francis. This mm -hmm. is that little skin on the outside of most people's arms, uh, many people's arms, yeah. that are little Bumps. Uh, bumps around yeah. the hair follicles, yeah. and it's so common in Alberta. We call it Alberta skin. I mean, it's yeah. so common in these dry climates. It's terrible. Well, I'll tell you, Xenobashi, you use two of his creams in combination, and you will, you will change that landscape completely. So that's a common condition, but it also works for one, talking about rare conditions, for uh, DSAP berry, which you'll recognize as disseminated superficial actinic pore keratosis. But these people are plagued, and I've tried everything on these people, including lasers. And I can tell you that Zeno Obagi's skincare program um, works on that condition, and it's so exciting for me. I'll see one patient a year with that, and it's really super cool to me. That, oh, that'll that's work. fascinating. You yeah. know, again, we're starting to understand that skin a little bit better. We're starting mm -hmm. to do more with it. Yeah. And as I say, if we can, I'm thrilled that the keratosis pilaris is going away because I can hardly wait to try these products on it because I have probably hundreds of patients yes. with this. Yes. And, and we've been treating it a bit, but never yes. getting anywhere. 
Yeah, but I'm telling you, you, you do it the way he does it, and it's, it's really a wonderful outcome for the patients. And it's so satisfying for us because it is so frustrating with what we've had available to us. Absolutely. Well, Francis, I've got to thank you for your insights today, and I thank you for the time you spent with us and talking to the general public out there today. If anybody would like to get in touch with you, how can they do so? Um, I guess the best way is to go to our website, and there's an email contact there. Um, so it's www.skinworks.ca, skinworks.ca. Excellent. Thank you so much again, Francis. I hope Wonderful you have a great night. To you. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you again. Uh, have a great summer. You too. Bye now. Thanks for joining us today on Cosmetic Surgery Today. It's a beautiful day to explore your options, and we know you'll want to grab your free copy of Dr. Leica's book, Shaping a New Image. All you have to do is drop an email to Tammy at Leica.ca. That's T-A-M-I at Leica, L-Y-C-K-A dot C-A. Tammy at Leica.ca. And we'll get you a digital copy of this fantastic book, chock full of information. See you next week on Cosmetic Surgery Today.